0: Welcome back to another edition of Bavarian Podcast Works. This is Chuck Smith, and I'm here to bring you the weekend warm-up, BFW's weekly show where we hit on all of the latest news and topics that have occurred over the past week. And, man, (laughs) we sit here every week and say, there's a lot to talk about. Well, this week unfurled a lot on us here. Uh, Bayern Munich, of course, had a just debacle midweek against Villarreal in the Champions League, which is – where we're really going to hit on a lot for this podcast, but uh, we will follow the normal five things we learned over the course of this week. But man, I don't see how anyone can pass by that Champions League matchup and not have just a million thoughts. So what I want to do for this is we are going to hit that five things we learned uh, and and we will do that. But what I need you to do is probably lay down on your couch, uh, clear your mind a little bit, and we're going to treat this as a therapy session and I am a uh, quack doctor trying to help you all through this. We'll look at what went wrong, how things can get fixed and all of that. But I really do think this is a pivotal moment for Julian Nagelsmann in his tenure as Bayern Munich manager. It's still so early on. It's just his first season. But how he handles this is going to have a lasting impact on fans, fan behavior, fan opinions, and just about everything else Uh It has been a relatively good year for Nagelsmann. Uh, I would say it's been a good year myself, but not everyone is is really as optimistic or feeling as good about things as I am. But uh, this is a point where he really needs to get it right. And if he doesn't, there are going to be some, uh, some doubters that get louder, not just among the fan base, but among the media as well. So for those five things that we have learned this week, Uh, let's start out with that uh, Bayern Munich laid an egg against Villarreal in the Champions League. And, you know, there were just a a lot of reasons for that. Uh, And you could pick apart so many different things uh, from a managerial standpoint. You really want to look at that starting lineup. Uh, Nagelsmann had some key decisions to make. He opted to go with Jamal Musiala over Leon Goretzka. He went with Dio Upamakano over Nicholas Sula. And he went with Serge Gnabry over Leroy Sane. Um, you know, he also used Alfonso Davies uh, really in his first action back from a bout with myocarditis in a high intensity, high pressure environment. Um, I'm sure there were a lot of people before the match that weren't feeling so great about some of those decisions. Uh, you know, I was definitely one I did not like seeing for as much as I like Musiala, and I'm a huge fan of him. I did not like seeing Leon Gretzka start the match on the bench. I absolutely did not like seeing Nicholas Sula on the bench in favor of Dio Upamakano. and for as much trouble as Leroy Sani has created for himself of late. Of course, we know he had a run in with Douglas at practice. We know that he had a late night out last week, which is not a big deal, but coming on the heels of having an issue with Nagelsmann, of course, it looks just bad, especially because his performances have really been uneven of late. So Gnabry got the nod, did not think that was the right move, despite Sané's issues, but whatever the case, Nogglesman made these decisions, and there was a fallout from them because ultimately it did not work. Uh, we'll start with Davies just because I think he was a logical selection for the starting lineup everyone wanted to see him back in action the problem was he was just too damn rusty uh he was awarded a spot on who scored's champions league team of the week somehow but while his defense i thought was pretty spectacular his offense was not good and i think at times it hurt the team uh was there a better option at left back I don't know. I mean, you could argue bumping Luca Hernandez out there and sliding Nicholas Sula into the lineup might have might have worked. But I think Nagelsmann did push the right button on starting Davies. I just don't think offensively Davies had the type of game that he would have liked or that anyone would have liked. As far as Upamakano over Sula goes, I just think it was a mistake. I just think when you look at things, Upamakano has been too much of a roller coaster uh, on Via Real's goal, you could see that it was mostly Musiala not tracking back to cover his man, but Upamecano's positioning on the play was not great either. Just the combination of of Musiala not having that much experience and Upamecano being a mess off and on this year, uh, this season, just was not a good combination for the squad. As I stated, I did not like sitting Goretzka in favor of Musiala. I think Goretzka has proven himself, and despite the fact he was coming off an injury, Nagelsmann needed to do better in figuring this thing out. What he probably needed to do was start Musiala last Saturday against Freiburg, bring Goretzka on for a sub-appearance, and really just take it from there. I don't think that he got it right, to be honest with you. And, you know, I think it hurt the team because Gretzka, for all of his injuries and how frustrating that can be, he's still a damn good midfielder and he still has such a good rapport with with Kimmich in the midfield that I think it's it's very tough. to to really separate those two. And and if you ask me, Kimmich is is running on fumes and we'll talk about him in a second, but I think you needed Kimmich and Goretzka out there together. And I think it was a mistake. So while I had some questions about the starting lineup before the match, I think many other fans did as well. And I think this just amplifies what people are going to be looking at in terms of preparation and tactics and, and player management ahead of the next match. I think that if Nagelsmann, put a question or put some doubt in people's head. It's only going to remain there and maybe grow a little uh, as we head into the second match against Villarreal. It's, it's certainly something that we'll keep an eye on, but the starting lineup was an issue against Villarreal and hopefully it will not be when the two teams hook back up. Tactically Nagelsmann definitely struggled. I think that, He didn't have any answers as far as countering what Villarreal was doing. Uh, And it was, you know, whether he was relying on his players to figure it out or whether they were just following a game plan that wasn't working, there were too many rush decisions. The passes weren't accurate, not precise. And to me, there was just a lot of confusion, a lot of delay out there. And part of it, I think, at least in my opinion, stems from the fact that the team has really kind of run three different formations at various points this season. Of course, we have the standard back four that everyone loves, which Byron started in this match, but it it kind of shifted to that second formation. We've seen the hybrid where Davies becomes a winger on offense and it effectively becomes a back three when the team possesses the ball. And then we, of course, have seen the standard back three formation with two wingbacks. I think all of that, all the different tactics, all of the different roles and responsibilities left some players tentative and hesitant. And I think we saw that with Musiala. I think we saw that with Serge Gnabry. Uh, I think we just saw Thomas Muller and Robert Lewandowski not be able to figure out where they should be on the pitch. And I just think it was too much. It's been too much. The team hasn't settled in on one style of play, one formation. It's been a lot on the players to absorb and I think you know that's an issue that Nagelsmann is going to have to work out uh, now. He doesn't have time. He's going to have to decide right now whether he's going with a, a standard back four or a standard back three or if he's going to roll that hybrid out. And if he rolls the hybrid out, he's going to have to really reiterate those roles and responsibilities, what the players are supposed to be doing, because I just think they were so choppy and so ineffective offensively it really became a matter of the players not being able to really decipher where they were supposed to be and what they were supposed to be doing in that particular setup. And all of the constant flip-flopping of formations and tactics has finally kind of taken its toll on this team against an opponent that, one, played very active, two, super aggressive, and three, made Bayern uncomfortable. So all of that combined just made the squad a tactical mess under Julian Nagelsmann. So he's going to have to figure that out He's going to have to get the lineup right, and he's going to have to figure out tactically how to best counter everything Villarreal has done. Physically, on the pitch, Bayern Munich star players were also bad. Thomas Muller, bad effort. Yashua Kimmich, terrible effort. Robert Lewandowski, completely ineffective. Serge Gnabry, brutal. Manuel Neuer, Manuel Neuer, the goalkeeper, bad effort. Dio Upamakano, dreadful. Serge Gnabry, up and down but not effective right I think when I looked at this match I looked at two players that that stood out in terms of just effort and, and six <laughs> successful actions Kingsley Coman and Luca Hernandez and, and and I'll be honest with you I didn't even rate them as good Benjamin Pavar was poor as well I mean this was just it, everything that could go wrong from a physical player standpoint went wrong they made bad decisions they had the, the Passing accuracy was terrible. Shot selection was terrible. The actual shots were bad. Their movement was bad. There was a total and utter lack of creativity from the star players of Bayern Munich. And with the tactics not being right, with the starting lineup maybe not being the best, you would think that Muller and Kimmich and Lewandowski and Neuer, those players would be able to step up lead and change things when things started going poorly on the pitch. And they could not. Byron had no answer for Villarreal, physically, mentally, anything. The players need to be better. They need to perform better. And they cannot have that type of performance once again. From a mental standpoint, Byron played with a complete lack of urgency. There was absolutely a lack of intensity. There was no part in the match where I felt like Byron was doing everything it possibly could to create offense, to get back and turn the tide of the game to counterattack. There was nothing. All right, That was as complacent a game as I've ever seen Bayern Munich play. And that's an indictment on the players, of course, and also on the manager. They need to be better prepared. They need to play like things matter. And I really honestly don't feel like they played with the type of urgency you need in the Champions League, which is so odd to say because Bayern Munich is experienced. They have many players that have won a Champions League title. They have a roster full of people that have played in big European games, big league matches, big cup matches, and the fact that they came out and played like they did and that there was zero urgency, zero intensity, I think it was just a you know it was a really bad thing for the team. It was a really bad look for the manager. They need to sort that out now, moving forward, of course, there are a million reasons to be doubtful. There are a million reasons to think that this team cannot pull it together against Villarreal real because they look so hapless. But rest assured, this is Bayern Munich. They are a great team. They are uber talented. They are deep. They are strong. They are fast. They are a better team than Villarreal. The big question remains, can they be a better team on Tuesday when it matters? Sure, they're better on paper. Sure, they might be better on Saturday, Sunday, or Monday. But will it matter on Tuesday? Can they pull it together against a very tough opponent, an opponent that's going to tactically challenge them, that's going to physically challenge them, can Bayern Munich pull together and fight? And I think they can. I really do. I think this is a match that Bayern Munich is going to come out and they're going to show what they really are, how good they really are. And I think they'll win the match and I think they'll win it by a margin that allows them to progress forward. But I do think all of this stuff that we just talked about presents issues. And I think these are things that, as the competition gets a little better, are going to become major issues. Uh, if, if Bayern Munich advances and they have to face Liverpool, it's not going to be easy. And I think not, not just Julian Nagelsmann, but the players themselves are going to have to look at each other. They're going to have to look in the mirror and they're going to have to figure out what team they want to be, how tough they want to be and, and, and what kind of urgency they want to play with. And urgency has been the key word for me in just about every loss Bayern Munich has had this season. When they lose, it looks lax a day's goal. It looks complacent. And they play with zero urgency. And I want to see that change. I think Nagelsmann can coax it out of them. I think the players have enough fortitude inside them and enough bravery and enough courage to pull it out of themselves. But they're going to have to do it on Tuesday if they want to advance. They're going to have to come out from the opening whistle and make it clear who the better team is and be relentless and not let up on via real. That's the only way this can happen. Uh, Villarreal, of course, they're going to come out, I would assume, and and be a little conservative and try and control the match. All they want is one goal in this one. If they can get a goal early, Bayern Munich is in a heap of trouble. So that's probably what they're going to play for. If somehow Villarreal gets that goal, it's going to turn into just a muck fest of a match. So Bayern needs to get out. They need to get that initial goal and they need to get it early. They need to force a Real to have to play this match. And that's the only way it's going to work for Bayern Munich. It's the only way. So the second thing we learned this week is that Serge Gnabry's future still remains uncertain. And now he's starting to get a lot of potential suitors. We did learn that Juventus, FC Barcelona, Real Madrid, Chelsea, Liverpool, and Tottenham Hotspur have all expressed some interest in Serge Gnabry uh Gnabry stayed on the team right now as you know he did start that Champions League match but it, to me still looks like the third player in that quote-unquote wing mix if you still want to say it's a wing mix uh, I think that Coman and Sané are, are just clear of Ganabri. and while all three players are close Ganabri is by far the most inconsistent so Uh, whatever Leroy Leroy Sané is going through, he needs to get it worked out. And that's the reason why Bayern Munich do carry so many quality players. But if Serge Gnabry wants a salary of 15 million euro per season, it's going to be very tough for Bayern Munich to be able to match that and give him what he wants, just given how many other players that they're paying right now. And the fact that they need to pay Manuel Neuer, that they need to pay Thomas Muller, and they need to pay Robert Lewandowski. I just can't see it. As much as I think Gnabry wants to return and as much as I think that Bayern Munich wants him back, they're really going to have to weigh that 15 million euro per season salary and see if they can afford it. I'm not sure they can at this point, especially with some of the moves that they might be making that we'll talk about in a bit. So Gnabry's future is is up in the air. The third thing we learned this week is that there are some crazy rumors going around that Bayern Munich might not even be able to sign the trio of Muller, Neuer, and Lewandowski. Now, it seems absurd to think that Bayern Munich would let any of those three players go, but it appears that the finances are in such dire straits that it, it is at least a possibility that all three players might not come back. Now, Lewandowski, of course, we have, we have learned that he is allegedly in talks with Barcelona, that they're having a lot of communication, that Barca has even offered him Uh, made a proposal to him already we've seen some kind of crazies eight million euro net which I don't know the exact math on this but I'm pretty sure Byron's offer would top that Um, so it really is going to depend on Lewandowski and what he wants to do but from an overall standpoint as Byron tries to plan on what to do with these three players uh, the club is going to have to sort out sort out how much it can pay and how long it wants to retain them, and this has been an ongoing theme on this show and some others, and and throughout our website. That, you know, it's just been this assumption that Bayern Munich is going to make it make the deals get done with Muller, Neuer, and Lewandowski, and I think most fans hope that it happens. But realistically, can it work? Can Bayern Munich's budget afford all three of those players? That's something we don't know at this point, and it would be a shame to let any of the three go. But the longer this goes on and the more stories we see and the lack of uh, just a a, a final word from the front office on how they're going to get these deals done, it's creating some doubt and it's not something that I think the fan base, the players, or the club necessarily likes at this point. So we're going to keep following the situation of those three players. If those rumors are true, it will be fascinating to see which of the three players does not return or, or, or how many don't return. I would think Neuer seems to be the biggest shoe in. Lewandowski is probably the most likely to leave. Although I'm not saying he's likely, I don't think he will leave ultimately, but if you had to rank them, I would say Neuer's the the closest to staying and Lewandowski is the closest to leaving. I think Mueller's just in between. I think ultimately a deal gets done, but um. You know, this is a situation that's going to cause some discomfort for fans. The fourth thing that we learned this week was that Hoffenheim wonderkind Tom Bischoff, has shot down Julian Nagelsmann twice, <laughs> which is kind of crazy to think. Uh, so Bischoff is a player that we have seen linked to Bayern Munich. He was linked back to Arbe Leipzig when Nagelsmann was the coach, and Nagelsmann had first approached him. Uh, Bischoff had turned him down back then. Uh, most recently, Bayern Munich over the past few months, uh, was linked to Bischoff ahead of the winter transfer window. And again, Nagelsmann made the approach and again, Bischoff turned him down. And I think Bischoff is as, as weird as this sounds, uh, right. As odd as it may be to turn down Nagelsmann and, and Leipzig and as odd as it may seem to turn down Bayern Munich, Bischoff made the right call for his career, um, Back, looking back at the reports of why Bischoff extended, ultimately extended his deal with Hoffenheim, it came down to Paul vonner his situation, and what was going to happen with him and whether he extended a deal, which of course he did with Bayern Munich. But Bischoff undoubtedly looked at the situation in the midfield, and he looked at you know however you want to classify these players and how they compete for spots in the lineup but if you want to look at a back three and you talk about attacking midfielders and central midfielders and you talk about four possible positions for a midfield player in Bayern Munich's lineup with uh, Julian Nagelsmann's back three you look at Muller, Sané, Gnabry, Coman, Kimmich, Goretzka, Tolisso, Roca Vonner, you you look at the the alleged pursuit of Ryan Gravenberch from from Ajax. There are just a lot of bodies there, right? So I get even back at the time before some of these rumors started, why Bischoff would make that type of move and make that decision. Quite frankly, for a young kid, he's better off. It remains to be seen exactly how Vonner is able to develop and advance his career at Bayern Munich. Just because, you know. the the options are going to be limited and all those players I mentioned, I didn't even list out Jamal Musiala, who of course would eat up, is going to eat up time more and more in those spots as we move forward. So Bischoff made the right move for his career and for as off-putting as it might be to hear such a young kid turn away Bayern Munich, he absolutely made the right move. He should stay at Hoffenheim. He's at a good club for his development. He will inevitably break in and get more first team time eventually with that club than he would at Bayern Munich. And I think you can only look at situations like Angelo Stiller or Nicholas Dorsch who had to leave Bayern Munich to get the playing time they needed to help advance their own careers. And they're getting that, of course, Dorsch at FC Augsburg and Stiller at Hoffenheim. So these are definitely moves that while uh, an established manager like Nagelsmann might want in Bischoff, Bischoff made the right move for him. And to be honest, it was quite a refreshing decision because I think too often Young players come to a club like Bayern Munich and they're, well, the the club may offer them a plan. How that plan actually plays out is often an issue. So that brings us to the fifth thing we learned this week. And that it's that Mino Raiola is trying really, really hard to work out a double pack for Bayern Munich by bringing Lusar Masraoui and Ryan Gravenberge from Ajax over to Bayern Munich. And it looks like, if you believe the most recent reports, that it's going to happen. Masrali has allegedly rejected a deal from, Bayern, uh, from FC Barcelona in favor of one from Bayern Munich that will offer him more money and a more clear plan to playing time. And I think that's probably key. If if Bayern Munich truly does shift to that back three Masrali, automatically becomes a starter in Bayern's formation because they need a right wing back. They don't have another player who perfectly fits that profile like Masrali would. So from a, from a professional standpoint, from a career planning standpoint, I think Masrali would be making the right move there and, and moving to Bayern Munich and, and really passing by Barcelona. It just remains to be seen if Barca will try and clear some room in its budget Uh, to make a move for Maseralli and increase their offer. It's possible. And, and, you know, this is a conspiracy theory, of course, but it could be that Maseralli is is really looking at Bayern as a way to enhance his leverage against Barcelona and get more money. That's always a possibility in the transfer game. But as of right now, it looks like Maseralli has Bayern Munich as his leader in the clubhouse and You know, while there could be doubts about how he would perform in the Bundesliga or or uh, on the stage that the Allianz Arena provides, uh, he certainly would would fill a roster void for sure. The other name mentioned, of course, was Ryan Gravenberch, who has been more closely linked to Bayern Munich. It seems like that all sides in this ordeal have reached an agreement that Gravenberch needs to make the move to Bayern Munich. Uh, He wants to make the move to Bayern Munich. Bayern Munich wants him. Uh, Even Ajax thinks it would be a good career progression. The problem is that Bayern Munich and Ajax are so far apart on a fee. There is even a rumor that it could be as much as 20 million euro. There could be a 20 million euro difference between what Bayern wants to pay and what Ajax wants. Can they meet in the middle? Can one side come down? I don't know. I've said it before and I'll say it again. I don't get this move for Bayern Munich. I don't get spending a a lot of money on a player like Raven Birch, not because he isn't good or not because he doesn't have potential, but because I don't think you need him at this point. And I think you're going to be spending so much on him with not just a transfer fee, but a salary that I think it, it kind of takes away from even the strategy of being a selling club. How are you going to increase his value when you're already paying a lot for him? And he's not playing that much. And I don't think he would play that much, especially if Nagelsmann is really considering moving Musiala back to be a central midfielder full-time that would already put Gravenberch behind the likes of Kimmich and Gretzka, who both just signed long-term deals behind Musiala, who also has a longer term deal. And even if Corinton Tolisso and Mark Roca and Marcel Savitzer all leave this summer, which is actually a possibility Gravenberch at best would be the fourth choice there and i don't know if that's one acceptable to him or two if it's even a good idea for a young player with that much potential i'm a little confused about Bayern munich's intent with this i don't get it i don't get just acquiring players um, for the sake of acquiring talent i don't think you hoard talent i think you build rosters by strategically adding players at positions of need, by building for the future with an eye on the present. Um, And I don't think that this move would represent that for Bayern Munich. I think the Maseralli move makes sense on every level level for both Masrally and for Bayern Munich. I don't get the Graven Birch move. I just don't get it. I I wouldn't be a fan of it. And even if he comes to Bayern Munich and he starts to develop and show promise, I don't see how he's going to get on the pitch consistently enough to really develop and really advance his own career. And at that point, what value would he have other than being a deep reserve for Bayern Munich? So I don't get that one. It's very rare that I'm I'm that much against a move, but I really don't get it. I don't want to see the team with such a stretched budget already have to spend any money on a transfer fee for a position that's not going to provide a starter. Sorry, I just don't get it. So that will wrap us up. I really want to, to, to pump out that you should check out the post-game show from the Via Real match. You should hit that. You should hit the preview show detailing what we think about FC Augsburg. And then, of course, I'm happy that you chose to listen to this if you've gotten that far. Um, I know it's a lot out there for podcasts, but I really did want to separate the preview show uh, from the weekend warm-up because there was a lot to discuss. And I think that the Bundesliga matches sometimes get overlooked and I think that the preview show does a good job of, of really detailing the importance of those matches and why fans should really still be paying attention at this stage of the season, even if Bayern Munich looks like they've wrapped things up. So thanks again for listening. Enjoy your weekend. Don't feel too down about that loss. I know it was frustrating, but Bayern Munich absolutely has an opportunity to come back and show its worth, show its metal and show that it's the better team on Tuesday. So hopefully that happens. You can always get me at The Barrel Blog on Twitter. You can get our site at Bavarian BavarianFBWorks. You can get Tom at tommyadam 71 You can get I Need No Name at BFWINNN. You can get Jake at Jefferson Fenner. And you can get Samarin and Schnitzel on our site. And I want to give uh, my guy, Jack Lashway, a little shout out. Find him on YouTube. He does a good job with his talking Byron uh, videos. Sometimes we detail those on our website. And post them if Jack actually does the post. So I I would like to see Jack do a little more of those posts and and put himself out there. I think he's got a lot of good thoughts. I'd love to actually have him on the podcast, but uh, got to twist his arm to make that happen. So hey, thanks again for listening. Have a great weekend. Drink a couple of beers on me, and we will see you next time.